If in Christ we have hope, in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits. Then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Our first reading is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 65. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young men shall die a hundred years old, and the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and shall eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord, and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, and the dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Please rise for the reading of the gospel. The stone has been rolled away. Jesus has risen. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 24th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men? and be crucified, and on the third day, rise. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna, and Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen clothes by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ.
Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So what brings you here today? Now, I know the answer seems rather obvious, but today of all days, it is especially worth acknowledging. But before answering, consider the shepherds to whom an angel declared a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. What drew the shepherds to the manger? And then consider the Magi who came to Jerusalem inquiring, where is the one who is to be born King of the Jews? What drew the Magi to Jerusalem? And what further drew them then to Bethlehem? So I ask you again, what is it that draws us together today? Or more precisely, who is it that draws us together today? My friends, if you would, please join your voice with mine in declaring that the one who draws us together today is Jesus, the one born King of the Jews, the one who is our Savior and Lord, the one who enables us to join with the Apostle Paul in saying, thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the one who draws us together, especially on this day. Amen? And from the moment of his birth and throughout his earthly life, Jesus always drew a crowd. And interestingly, the crowds typically consisted of a diverse mix of individuals. Among the crowds, there were certainly those who were drawn to Jesus, who were, who were attracted to Jesus. Uh, but there were also those who were not only against Jesus, but who actively opposed him. Consider among Jesus' own disciples how they cons consisted of a dissimilar assortment of individuals. I mean, there were fishermen. There was one who had been in the employ of Rome, and then there was another who despised anything and anyone having to do with Rome. There were a couple of Jewish nationalists who dreamed of world domination by the chosen people, and another who was a known thief. Yet who was it that brought them together? Say it. Jesus. And on that day, that morning of our Lord's resurrection, apart from Judas, all of them were together. And there were also numerous women, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and others. Who was it that brought them together? Jesus. In fact, they had been with Jesus since his time up in Galilee. And they were there together on Calvary's hill when Jesus died, when his body was taken down from the cross and when it was laid in the tomb. And on that morning, they too were together. And then there was the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council. For the most part, the Sanhedrin were united like never before. They were even willing to join forces with others who had their own personal and political agendas in opposing Jesus and wanting to get rid of him. The Herodians, Pilate, 
false witnesses, even one of Jesus' own, Judas. Common enemies make strange bedfellows. You might say that they too were brought together by Jesus. But among the Sanhedrin, there were two standouts, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. Earlier, Nicodemus had stood up on Jesus' behalf and spoken out on, on, in his favor before the Sanhedrin. And concerning Joseph of Arimathea, it is recorded that he had not given his consent to their decision to condemn Jesus. And after Jesus' death, these two representatives of the Sanhedrin were the ones who took Jesus' body down from the cross and placed it in the tomb. What was it that brought the two of them together? Jesus. Not only in his life, but even in his death, Jesus brought people together. But now Jesus has died. And those who followed him were faced with the reality of going through life now without his presence. And for this day, that morning of mornings began filled with sadness and grief. When the women go together to anoint Jesus' body, they did not expect to find what they found. They expected to find the dead body of the one who had brought them together. They had come together on that morning for the express purpose of grieving together now that they had been separated from their beloved Lord. Death has a way of bringing such separation between people. And unexpectedly, they came upon a setting that was rather perplexing. First, when they got to the tomb, they found that the stone had been rolled away. And then when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And then suddenly, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And they ask a very revealing question. Why do you seek the living among the dead? And then the two men declare and say, he is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And then the women remembered what Jesus had said. A few days earlier, they had stood on Calvary's hill and witnessed Jesus' suffering and death. And they had followed Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea and seen where they had laid his dead body. And now they stood in that very same place with one exception. There was no body. Could this mean that what Jesus said would happen has happened? And could this mean that they were separated no more? Well, with this news just beating in their hearts, they run to the other disciples, the 11 and the others. And they also were together in one place. For them, that morning began with a mixture of fear, of shame, of guilt, confusion, 
and grief. And the women tell their story. But those who heard it did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Now it's easy to judge the disciples to be too quick to do so, but keep in mind they were processing in real time what ordinarily would have been considered an impossibility. Nonetheless, ridiculous though it sounded, their story gripped the heart of one disciple in particular, Peter. It could easily be said that of all the disciples, none felt the full weight of separation more than Peter. It was only a few nights previous that Peter had separated himself from Jesus. When asked if he was one of Jesus' disciples, Peter denied it. He denied even knowing Jesus. And he denied it to the point of calling down curses upon himself. And it was when he denied Jesus for the third time that shame set in and the guilt became unbearable. And we are told that he went out and wept bitterly. Yes, the words of the women sounded like nonsense, but especially for Peter, could this mean that the impossible was true? And could this mean that he was separated no more? While Peter rose and and ran to the tomb, Luke tells us, stooping and looking in, and he saw the linen cloths by by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. For Peter, there was a hope that his separation from Jesus was about to end. And it would not take long before his hope was realized. Later that same evening, going on further than what was read to you in our, in our gospel reading for today, two disciples who had traveled to Emmaus that day returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together. And the Emmaus disciples hear, hear confirmation from, from those followers of Jesus. The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. I don't know about you, but this is, this is one of those details you wish that Luke would have delved a little bit further into about Jesus having a private resurrection encounter with Peter, especially given what Peter must have been wrestling with. But other than the fact that the Apostle Paul also references it, we know nothing else about this resurrection encounter between Jesus and Peter. Regardless, it was while the Emmaus disciples were sharing about their encounter, Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace be with you. I want you to recall how earlier in his ministry, Jesus had said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives, Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. 
And now here they were, standing in the presence of the resurrected Christ, enjoying the peace that only he brings. Yes, my friends, from the moment of his birth, Jesus brought people together. Jesus brought people together in his life and in his ministry. He brought people together with his death and resurrection. In fact, concerning his death, Jesus had once said to his disciples, and I, when I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. And it was not just then, but even to this very day, Jesus continues to draw people to himself. On the one hand, there are still those who who come together in opposition of Jesus. But on the other hand, like so many in Jesus' day, so also to this day, and especially on this day, this weekend, Others are drawn to Jesus because, like Peter, they see their separation overcome, especially the separation between us and God brought on by our sinful disobedience and rebellion. So once more I ask, what brings you here today? My friends, regardless of what brings you here today, there are several things I pray that you would take home with you. First of all, the Apostle Paul sums up the joy of this day when he writes, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In fact, this day solidifies Jesus' own promise when he said, I am the resurrection and the life He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then Jesus further assures us in words that he spoke just before going to the cross when he says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. In the meantime, Jesus continues to draw us together. Like the women on that first Easter, we as disciples of Jesus come together in difficult times seeking to care for each other. And like the 11, we come together not only with our mix of backgrounds, but also with our own mix of guilt and confusion and grief. And like the others who came together in the upper room, we also come together to learn how Jesus intersects and impacts the lives of others, including our own. And we gather here at this time and in this place and over the weekend and during the week knowing that God is here to connect with us through word as well as through sacrament. We gather knowing that Jesus is in our midst, crucified, resurrected, and ascended. We gather knowing that Jesus is alive and we are separated no more. My dear friends, I ask you once again, 
What brings you here today? And who is it that brings us together today? Please say his name and say it loud. Jesus, the name that is above all names. Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding. May it keep your hearts and your minds through your faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.